What's up, everybody, and welcome to a very special Wipe That Smark Off Your Face. That's right, it's a pro wrestling theme podcast brought to you by the Nerd Pool Podcast. As always, I am your host, the fat fool that loves Deadpool. Yes, it's me, it's me, it's a J-M-I-E, your 131st favorite podcast host. And as always, your guru into the world of professional wrestling. Gotta change it up a little bit. Today is a special episode because, man, there has been a lot of wrestling that is going on this past weekend, battling between companies, and we're going to review three of the big shows, probably the three biggest shows uh, that happened this past weekend, and that is the AEW's third event, Fight for the Fallen, taking place at Daly's Place in uh, Jacksonville, Florida. It was a charity event for the victims of gun violence in the area. Uh, that was counter-programmed by the WWE, we didn't have a, they didn't have a takeover. They didn't have a pay-per-view coming up that day. So they said, you know what? Uh, our B team, or I guess you would say C team, because I guess NXT would be their B team, is having their 10th anniversary show, Evolve Wrestling. The former Dragon Gate USA, now Evolve, has been around for 10 years. Their 10th anniversary show was taking place at the 2300 Arena in Pennsylvania. Um, you might know that as the ECW arena, and man, it's just, it, it, it itself was a big thing, and they were counter-programming with that, and then Sunday was the WWE's Extreme Rules pay-per-view taking place from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, their self. We're going to be reviewing all of them, I'm going to talk a little bit about each one, and at the end, I'm going to rate from, uh, you know, what was the best to what was the worst, and so let's jump right into it. The first one I'm going to be talking about is AEW's Fight for the Fallen because um, I think they have the most buzz still with people still trying to see how they're going to catch their footing, you know, what production looks like, the production's kind of changing, they're trying to get everything ready and get everything down. We're going to talk about the buy-in. The first buy-in, there was two batches on the buy-in. Uh, it was Sonny Kiss taking on the librarian Peter Avalon with the librarian Leva Bates. Now, if you watch the Fighter Fest um, event, the librarian gimmick didn't seem like, the crowd didn't seem like they knew how to actually take it, it was something different, and they were just like, we don't really know here, here, Peter Avalon was getting a lot of booze, and I don't think it's really go away heat, I think it's, fans are, you know, getting, it's over, and people are like, we, we you know, booing him as a heel, Peter Avalon is an underrated talent. Um, from the first time I saw him, I thought the same thing. He doesn't, he's not big, he's not built, but he's a great hand. He plays his characters, whether it was the professional or the librarian, really well. And he's taking on Sonny Kiss. Uh, Sonny Kiss's gimmick is he's gay. I mean, I mean, he's gay in real life, and he's he's uber gay here. Nothing wrong with that, guys. Don't don't bash me for it. That's just his gimmick. He gets a he gets a pretty cool entrance with the Jacksonville. Jaguars cheerleaders and their mascot in a routine. They're dancing. The whole match is basically his coming out. Uh, no, no pun intended. They're you know trying to showcase him because he hasn't really been showcased. And it's Peter Avalon's chance. And they put on a, a pretty good match. It's not the best match, but you know this is the buy-in. It's the first show or first match on the car, and they didn't want to go too crazy. Sonny Kiss ends up beating Peter Avalon with a split-legged moonsault, or excuse me, a split-legged leg drop from the top rope. Then we go on to B. Presley and Shoko Nakajima taking on Britt Baker and Riho. Um, this match 
didn't come off the way it should have been. Britt Baker is pretty much going to be the star of AEW's women's division. And it here she took a kick to the head from uh, B. Presley and got concussed. And you can tell the rest of the match she didn't really know what was going on. They really should have ended that match quicker because, I mean, she was she was concussed. She didn't know what she was doing. At one point, she actually went to the wrong corner to tag in the wrong person. She doesn't know where she was at. B. Presley is not a bad She's not a bad worker. Uh, I think it was just a, a lot going on. It was her first big show like this in the U.S. And I think she just it was an accident. It was nothing serious. Riho and uh, Nakajima tried to take the majority of the match under their own wing. Nakajima is... The style that they work with the Jusho, Jusho girls uh, from Japan, it, just, it, it wasn't clicking here. These two didn't click. The match isn't terrible, but... It's probably the worst women's match we've seen so far in AEW, in my opinion. But uh, B. Presley and Nakajima get the win as Nakajima actually pins Riho. Then we get into the actual pay-per-view. And let me just talk real quick about the announcing. I know I spent a lot of time on AEW, but that's because it's new and I just got some critiques. You know, it's not what all glitters isn't gold. Not everything AEW does is perfect. Um, their announced team, Alex Marvez doesn't need to be on the announced team. He did seem more relaxed this time around. He seemed like he was, you know, a little calmer and everything, but he said stuff that shouldn't be said. He brings up points that then the other tent guys have to cover for from stuff that makes nothing to do with storylines and you're kind of killing it. Alex Marvez needs to not be. He could be a backstage guy, fine, but he does not need to be on the commentator team. There doesn't need to be three commentators. Let Excalibur and Jim Ross do their thing. Excalibur is a great uh, announcer. Jim Ross is the best that ever did it. Let them two work and let them two actually do it themselves. They don't need a third man. I don't like three-man booths. Jim Ross doesn't like three-man booths. I don't know why we have to have a three-man booth. Um, I know Marvez is a... friend of Tony Khan's, but Tony needs to realize that Marvez is just, he's hes really hurting more than he's helping, and I really hope they get into that. However, they were better in the situation. I just don't think that he's a good fit. But uh, we have, moving on, the first match on the actual card was MJF, Sean Spears, and Sammy Guevara, the Hill team, taking on Joey Janela, Dar, Dar, Darby Allen, and Jimmy Havoc. Match was okay. We get a this is really a spot to show Sammy Guevara and Darby Allen again. Uh, Darby Allen is super over with the fans. Sammy Guevara is a monster heel and is very athletic. We get the MJF Sean Spears with them kind of their facial features and the way they talk to each other. Because if you watch Being the Elite, MJF is supposed to be best friends with Cody Rhodes, and Sean Spears is the one that cracked Cody with the chair shot her around the world at the last event and. Watching them on a team, like it didn't make sense to put them on a team, but it it, it kind of furthers the storyline because MJF and him weren't really working together. They were kind of talking trash the whole time at each other. But again, this was basically Darby Allen and Sammy Guevara's uh, showcase for them. Uh, Sean Spears gets uh, Sean Spears gets the win over Darby Allen with the Death Valley Driver. So him, MJF, and Sammy Guevara uh, pick up the win. Good match. Uh, it's a good storytelling, and again, Darby Allen's super over. I mean, the kid's got something special. The fans are connecting with him, and he's small, but I think he could be a player for them later on down the road. Next up, we had Brandy Rhodes um, bringing and Awesome Kong in her corner, taking on Allie. We got the whole story on the being the elite of Brandy Rhodes being the 
you know, Demon's Plager, whenever the seriousness on the line and, and, you know, during her finger skating career, she would always kind of sabotage herself and blah, blah. And then we got Allie, the 10-year veteran, which I didn't realize Allie had been doing this for 10 years. I, th- I mean, I knew she'd been it for a couple years. I really didn't know it was 10 years. But this match was kind of clunky. Um, Allie's carrying the majority of the match. Brandy didn't do bad. She has improved. But she's still super green in the ring. She she really is. She hasn't got her bearings completely yet. And it's, you know, it showed in this match. This match wasn't great. Uh, Allie did her best. Brandy did her best. But, you know, this this is one of the weaker showings of the women's division. But I think later on, I, Allie could be something for them. I just don't think Brandy's ready to be put in that spot yet. Um after the match, and when uh, Brandy wins, and Awesome Kong is in the ring with her, and they're going to beat Ali up, we hear music palming, and then Aja Kong, the legendary Japanese female wrestler, and the person who's probably helped Awesome Kong, and who Awesome Kong basically has taken her entire style from, a lot of her moves, comes to the ring, and there's a face-off with them, so we're probably going to get them at all out, and that's going to be a hard-hitting uh, female match, and I'm ex- super excited for that. And that was a very cool moment to watch them go square off face to face. And it, I, I mean, I got goosebumps doing it. If, if you haven't seen it and don't know who either one of them are, please Google Awesome Kong and Aja Kong because it's going to be a, a hard hitting battle at All Out if they actually go that route. Next up, we had a triple threat tag team match as we had the Dark Order consisting of Dark Uno and Stu Grayson taking on Jack Evans and Helico and. A boy and his dinosaur, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, coming to the ring with Marco Stunt. Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus are so over right now with the crowd. Uh, it's insane how over they've gotten with this gimmick, and it's it, you know they're going to be major players for AEW. Um, and Helico and Jack Evans are very they 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 they're very high flying. They're high impact. You know they're wow factor. Jack Evans can move, but I'm telling everybody, I've said it forever. And Helico needs to be a singles guy. He's got the look. He's got charisma. He's got the in-ring workability. Like, I think he could be a bigger player for them as a single competitor than a tag team competitor. Jack Evans is Jack Evans. He's always been kind of the lesser-known, smaller guy. He can fly. He can move. But I really think he's going to be holding Angelico back because Angelico has something that could be utilized for them later on. Uh, this is the Dark Order, formerly known as the Super Smash Brothers on the indie circuit. You can't really use that name because Nintendo will sue you quickly. Um, but they are flanked by their minions, who we find out are called Creepers. And this really was Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus showing out, and it was our first look at the Dark Order. Um, and a lot of people were hit or miss on them. Stu Grayson's very athletic and very good. Dark Uno is not a bad guy. He can work to his size and his ability. He's just a bigger guy. He doesn't have the look of what a professional wrestler normally looks like. You know, the match was great. Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy getting their spots in. Again, are super over with the crowd. Super over with the crowd. It's it's high-flying at times. It's hard-hitting at times. The Dark Order ends up getting the win. And they will move on to All Out to take on uh, the best friends, Chucky e. T and Trent Beretta, for the first round of the tag team champion, for a bye into the first round of the tag team championship for AEW. When TV starts in October. Next up, Adam Page versus Kip Sabian. Adam Page gets the win. Um, Kip Sabian's a good talent. Adam Page is supposed to be one of their big stars. I think Kip Sabian got way too much offense here. Uh, if you're trying to build Kip Sabian up, that's fine. But you're hurting Adam Page going into a match with Jericho to see that he could barely 
beat Kip Sabian. It was a 20-minute time limit. He beat him in 19-something minutes. I, I get what they're, 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 they're trying to build other talent, and that's fine. But when you have Adam Page going in against Chris Jericho, who's one of the best that ever do it, guys, it's, it's not smart, in my opinion, to have him go through such a knockout, dragout brawl with you know somebody who's not on Jericho's level. Nothing against Kip Sabian. But he's not Chris Jericho's level, and it kind of hurts Adam Page stock a little bit because he he wasn't as over with the crowd as he really should have been uh, in this. But he got the win regardless. We had, uh, after the match, a uh, creeper from the Dark Order comes out, attacks Adam Page, busts his eye, uh, bloodies his eye, blacks his eye. And we come to find out it's Chris Jericho. No surprise there. Um, and we go to the back. Next up we have... The Lucha Brothers, Pentagon Jr. and Phoenix, taking on Scorpio Sky and Frank Kazarian of SCU. The SCU gimmick, SCU, is so over. And it's crazy that they bash every town they go to, saying that this is the worst town they've ever been in. People chant it. People love it. This match is what you would expect from those guys. It's high-flying. It's high spots. It's fast-paced. It's fun. It's... It's, it's, it's just fun to watch. Um, the Cedro Metro, which is Zero Fear that Pentagon does, gets kind of old. Um, he does it a lot in the match, and I get it, but I know it's your gimmick. But man, sometimes it's just, it's just too much for me. Although, high-flying, very fun. The Lucha Brothers get their first win in AEW against the SCU. Bring in a ladder, take them out, get on, they cut a promo, basically challenging the Young Bucks to a ladder match at All Out. And I guess it will be for the AAA Tag Team titles. And that is going to be a hellacious match. The Young Bucks and Lucha Brothers have great chemistry. And if you put a ladder in the match, it's going to be insane. And I, I can't wait for that. All Out is just going to be an amazing event. Next up, we have the cleaner, Kenny Omega, taking on the Japanese legend, Shima, from uh, the Stronghearts and OWE. Uh, this match started off kind of slow. It started off slower than a Kenny Omega match usually does. It picked up towards the end, but this was a well. This ended up being a very, very well paced, well uh, rounded wrestling match. This isn't just high flying high spots from these two. This is a Japanese style match. Uh, Shima did a lot of meteoras, and I kind of think he kind of did too many. It's kind of like Kenny Omega doing the V trigger, which we found out. Me, and my friend Andrew, watching this, we found out that you have to. Kenny Omega has to hit at least five V-Triggers before he can win the match. So count them out on his matches. He has to hit at least five before he can do it. The V-Trigger is devastating. I get it. Sometimes less is more because you can kind of devalue some of your matches, some of your weapons by overusing them. But this was a very fun match. Like I said, started off a bit slow. It picked up at the end. And I was, I was on the edge of my seat. Kenny Omega is a special talent. Shima is amazing. And hats off to him. I think he's going to be a good player for them. Whether he's a world champion, I don't know, but I think that he could be he's gonna be a good hand and a good, you know, talent for them to have. And then the main event was the Young Bucks versus the Brotherhood, Cody and Dustin Rhodes. The Young Bucks had been taunting the Rhodes on being the elite, making fun of their moment with them saying he needs Cody saying he needs his older brother, he didn't need a friend, he didn't need a partner. This match is completely different than any other Young Bucks match. Uh Cody and Dustin brought it down. They told a great story here. They worked over the arm of the uh, Matt Jackson, and this was just fun from beginning to end. You got your high spots from the Young Bucks. You got Cody and Dustin doing their spots. Uh, all teams are doing each other's team spots. 
It was a hell of a match. If you haven't seen this, please go out of your way to see this because this is this is tag team wrestling. This is what tag team wrestling is. And this is probably the one of the best, if not the best, Young Bucks match I've ever seen. It was so much fun and it just worked on so many different different levels. And the Young Bucks ended up getting the win here, which it really isn't a surprise. The only thing that surprised me is that Cody took the fall instead of Dustin. But there could be a story in this later on. Afterwards, the Young Bucks get on the mic. They're saying that, you know, all of the taunting and everything was just in the spirit of competition. It wasn't personal. And in the middle of what them cutting this promo, Kenny Omega's music hits. Uh, they said, we must be short on time. So you get Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus, uh, Kenny Omega, Shad Khan, Brandy Rose. They come out to present this check for $150,000 to the victims of gun violence and the city of Jacksonville, and it's a great thing. Cody Rhodes ended up saying that, getting on the mic and saying you can't count and program what they're doing, and I, I get what he's saying, and it's true, but you can't really, don't poke the bear yet. You know, you guys are three events in, don't poke them too much. Still fun. Kenny Omega gets on to get his goodbye, his good night kiss and his goodbye bang. You can't really say bang at a gun violence event. It's not good. He says good night smoots, goodbye boing. Um, kind of goofy, but you know they wanted to do the Kenny Omega send off. But Kenny Omega doesn't need to do the send off at every time. And I know TV's coming up. This this was supposed to be just for the live crowd. They didn't know the feed wouldn't cut yet. Overall, great event, fun. It had different styles of matches, different levels of matches, and it just it worked and. I was glad that they were able to put on this event. Um, on the WWE Network, they were counter-programmed by Evolve 131, the 10th anniversary show of Evolve Wrestling. Uh, Vince McMahon put this on because he didn't have a takeover, and he just wanted to put a counter-show on against AEW's fight for the fall and to try to take some fans away from them. This is the first shot that WWE has really taken at them. And it was kind of weird to put this on, but... It ended up being a really good card. Uh, some of these guys I had never heard of or seen before, but you know the first event was Josh. The first match was Josh Briggs as he defeated Anthony Green. Uh, Briggs seems to be one of their bigger guys. I've seen him before. I've never really watched any matches of him. He, he's decent in the ring. He's got a good look to him, good intensity. Um, this match was really nothing special. I think it was them trying to showcase Briggs because I think they're going to see Briggs as a player for NXT and stuff later on. So this was. They're trying to show him to the world, and he, he impressed me, and he did a good job. Anthony Green is, you know, he was okay. I don't really know anything about Anthony Green. I really, I've never even seen the guy before. Put up a good match, good match overall. Not great, nothing to really go home about. Next thing, we had uh, the Forgotten, which was the Forgotten and Sons of Eddie Kingston, Joe Gacy, and then they discussed how, how powerful they are. Eddie Kingston is a hell of a talker. Hell of a talker. Um, his work isn't bad. He's got a gut on him, which is going to do... It's going to hurt him in the day to be, I already know. But Eddie Kingston is probably one of the best promo guys in the business. I mean, from his work in TNA, his work here. I've seen him on other independent shows. The guy can talk his ass off. And he could be utilized as something special if they wanted to go. Next up, we had a four-way as Stephen Wolf defeated Kurt Stallion, who is a friend of Matt Riddle's. Uh, Harlem Bravado, who is tall and built, but not built. And then you shot Sean uh, Maluda, who's a part of the Unforgiven and was on the uh, first Cruiserweight Classic that the WWE put on and was beaten in the, beaten the first round by Kota Ibushi. 
this match was, you know, the spot fest of people flying everywhere and hitting things. And this was Harlem Bravado basically showing him being the heel of the match. Uh, Stephen Wolf or Stephen Wolf, excuse me, hits a 450 splash on Harlem Bravado to win the win the match. I mean, this this is a decent four way match. You know, it's, it's showcasing they're trying to get people on the card. Again, I don't really know much about these guys, so it's hard to talk a lot about them or get into their characters. This was my first. This is my first inkling of a lot of them. But the match was fun, and they all guys had chemistry. They worked well. They all got their spots in a four way match that on any other show would be, you know, pretty well received. This next match, I'm gonna I'm going to butcher this guy's name. It was uh, a Rotro Huas defeated Anthony Henry. This was more, both these guys are supposed to be like former MMA fighters. And this was a hard-hitting submission style. Like this seemed kind of like a shoot fight, but it was a work shoot fight. These guys are hard-hitting. These guys rolled. Uh, this was a fun match to watch. If you liked it, that was different from the high-flyingness. It was two guys just beating the hell out of each other. And they, they worked well together. This was a feud that has been going on in Evolve, apparently. And... Um, I, th I think later on, I think they can go back to this because it was fun. The, the matches at times were clunky. Um, Huas isn't as polished yet. I, they, apparently, he's younger, you know, young to the wrestling pro wrestling game. Still did well, and I, you know, I, I you can watch this match and you'll enjoy this match. This is not high flying. It's hard hitting, and it's a it's a backyard brawl basically is what it goes down to. Uh, next up, we have Brandy Lauren. As she beats uh, Shotzi Blackheart in a no DQ match, um, the one thing I want to say about this match is Shotzi Blackheart is a great worker. Uh, I've seen her in other part, other you know, other events. She can work. She has a special look to her. She needs to slow down on some of her stuff, and I don't mean like just in moves in general. At one point, she set there's four chairs set up, set by each other. She sets another chair up, puts Loring on top of the chair. And runs to do a dive. Now somebody pulls Lauren off. Anthony Green pulls Lauren off. And Shotzi dives, suicide dives into the chairs. And her face hits. It is a scary looking bump. I mean, it, it, it scared me when I saw it. I was like, she's hurt. She wasn't, but she doesn't need to do stuff like that. Like she takes these crazy bumps that she doesn't need to take to get over. You know, she can get over on her working ability. And... I, I just think sometimes taking those kind of bumps can be dangerous and ill-advised, especially, you know, I know you're on the WWE Network and you're trying to show your people who you are, but it's just, ugh, I mean, she had had a uh, run in NXT before she had a medical condition that made them have to release her. Uh, Triple H has told her that she can come back whenever she's medically cleared. Apparently, she's been cleared by their doctors. I don't know about the WWE's doctors. But, I mean, again, she's a good talent, but that was just a scary bump. Brandy Lauren, she's a decent worker. She's, you know, she gets over her gimmick of being basically the prissy bitch, uh, for lack of a better term. Fun match. It's a fun women's match. Uh, again, Shotzi Blackheart is the star of this match, and she's she could be a star. If, if she's medically able to perform... She's going to be a star for the for this company, and she could be a star for NXT, and she could be a, a player for the women's division later on. Next up, we get uh, Babatunde defeating Colby Carino. Colby Carino is the son of the legend Steve Carino. Um, 
Babatunde is a six foot eleven mountain of a man. He was in the greatest Royal Rumble uh, last year for the WWE. He was it was in NXT for a while. They've kind of pushed him back here. He's just big. He's lumbering. I mean, he's just a big lumbering wrestler. There's nothing really special about him. Colby Carino is a small guy, but he has heart. He has passion. He reminds me of he reminds me of his dad. Um, he's smaller than his dad was, but he I kind of get that same feel, and it makes sense. And Colby, if for as young as he is and as small as long as he's been in the business, he's a good worker. And Colby Colby could be something special later on with being an underdog. Basically, kind of being exactly what his dad started out to be. And his dad ended up being one of my favorite wrestlers growing up. And, you know, Kobe, Kobe's going to be somebody to watch. Kobe Carino will be somebody to watch. Uh, after that, uh, Eddie Kingston and the Unwanted came out. And they cut a promo on Baba Tunde telling him that they've he's been had stuff handed to him. And, again, cutting a vicious promo. Eddie Kingston's so good at this promo business. And it just works so well for him. And, again, he's such a good talker. And... If he can't be, if they don't want him to be a wrestler because he doesn't look like it, may put him as a mouthpiece for somebody because the man can cut a promo. Uh, they end up defending Eddie Kingston and Joe Gacy end up defending the Evolve Tag Team Championships against A.R. Fox and Leon Ruff. A.R. Fox has been in Evolve for a long time. He's been on the indie scene for a long time. He's trained, you know, people like Ricochet and stuff like that. Um, chances are, if you've watched independent wrestling, you've seen him. He's very high-flying, very good, very charismatic. He wins with a 450 splash on Kingston, and Gacy puts, gets put through a table on the outside. A.R. Fox and Leon Ruff are your Evolve Tag Team Champions. They celebrate with a group of people breakdancing and everything else. This match was quick. It really didn't showcase much. It was just you know a bunch of high spots from A.R. Fox and Leon Ruff. Eddie Kingston and Joe Gacy didn't really get to showcase their skills that much. Um, nothing really special to talk about here. That tag team match wasn't great. The matches coming up are probably the three that most people came to watch. The first one being Matt Riddle taking on Drew Gulak, the former Catchpoint tag team in um, Evolve Wrestling. And this one is go out of your way. If you only watch one match from this card... Watch this match. Matt Riddle is something special in wrestling. He has everything you're looking for. And Drew Gulak has completely reinvented himself. The man is so good. And this match is hard-hitting, technical. There's flying. This has everything you want in a pro wrestling match. And my hat's off to both these guys. Again, go watch this match. If this is the only match you watch from this card, you will not be disappointed. They know each other so well. They have such great chemistry. Matt Riddle, Matt Riddle's going to be a champion. If Matt Riddle isn't a future WWE champion, they don't know what the hell they're doing, and they've lost all touch because the kid is just amazing. And Drew Gulak's the same way, and their styles complement each other. And this was very hard-hitting. This was very technical, very submission-oriented. It had everything you need. Go out of your way to watch this match, guys. As Matt Riddle picked up this win, they both do... They they both do the catch point pose at the end. Drew Gulak takes the mic and he tells people that he how much he respects Matt Riddle and basically puts Matt Riddle over. And it's just an awesome, awesome match. Next up, we have the Evolve to World Heavyweight Champion Austin Theory taking on the blue collar badass J.D. Drake, the WWN Champion. This is a title unification bout. Uh, the WWN is the World Wrestling Network. 
it's a kind of like a WWE network. They show a bunch of independents. Evolve is one of them, and they have their champion, which was JD Drake. And JD Drake is the blue collar. You know, I've dealt with depression. He's an overweight guy from the South, North Carolina. Very likable. Very, you know, he gets. He can get the sympathy from the crowd because he has that look of, I'm not supposed to be here. I was told I was never going to be here. He does a promo beforehand, a backstage vignette talking about how he's lost his family. You know, he, he almost, he thought about suicide. He's lost jobs. He's lost all this to this business. It's always ever wanted. And Austin Theory is basically the guy who's had everything handed him. Austin Theory looks like a million bucks. The kid is young. The kid is talented. And the kid's going to be a player again for WWE coming up soon. This match was fun. This was two different styles um, hitting each other, hard hitting. You have flying in it. This match was amazingly put together. And it was fun to watch. Uh, J.D. Drake, I've heard the name. I've honestly never seen a match before. Uh, Austin Theory, I've seen him a bunch. I mean, again, he's been talked about for years as being you know a prodigy of the business and how good he's going to be for the business. And they they put on a hell of a show, and they had great chemistry together. The I knew Austin Theory was going to go over. I mean, if you you had to know he was going to go over on the show, but they they reeled me in enough to where whenever JD Drake got a near fall, I was invested thing they might actually do it. They might put JD Drake over, and if they would have, I would not have been upset. He showed me something, and the guy has made a fan out of me. Like he really has. He's. He's a blue collar, he's not lying, and he's sympathetic, and he's really good in the ring for his size. And, I mean, this was just a fun, fun match. And, again, uh, Austin Theory ends up winning. He's unified the belts. He throws down the WWN title, stomps on it, talks about how Evolve is the new standard bearer. You know, he is the he is the end-all, be-all of Evolve Wrestling. People cry to get there, but they're going to have to go through him. The lights go out, come up, Josh Briggs is behind him. Josh Briggs choke slams him, so I guess that's going to be their next few going on, and these two could have a, a good match. I don't know if they've wrestled before or not, but I think their styles can complement each other, and it's going to be fun. Next up, we have probably the most over guy in NXT right now, Adam Cole, baby, Def- defending the NXT championship against Akira Tozawa. Um Akira Tozawa never performed. He performed on one Evolve match, I think. All these guys had been in Evolved Wrestling before. Adam Cole was a fixture there before he going to NXT and when he was on the independent circuit. This match was good. I mean, Adam Cole is super over. Adam Cole is one of the best in the world at professional wrestling. Akira Tozawa is no slash his damn self. And they put on a wrestling clinic. I mean, it was back and forth. Um, the Akira Tozawa, when he was doing his... When he was getting his near falls, it was one of the things, again, where you might think that they would do it, but there's no – I didn't really think they were going to let the NXT championship change hands here. But they tried to bring you in and make things believable, and it was really, really fun to watch these two work together. They have good chemistry again, and they, it's, it's a great NXT championship match. With It doesn't have all the backstory of a Gargano. Johnny Gargano came out after the match. Uh, which made Adam Cole leave. He picked up to Kira Desauer. He cut a promo on how great Evolve is and how he loves Evolve Wrestling and how, you know, he could, he's always going to be a part of Evolve's history and he's always going to cherish the events and, and everything they had there. Good again, good send home for the fans of Evolve Wrestling. This was a fun card up and down. Uh, I got introduced to a lot of people I didn't know and a lot of times, you know, that can be 
difficult to watch. These guys all brought me in. They all showed me something. And so they've, them, a lot of them have made it to where I want to see more of them. And so I'll check it out as we go on later on. Next up, we're going to the big one for the WWE. This was their Extreme Rules pay-per-view. You know, the Extreme Rules pay-per-view, supposed to be extreme, but they, I don't know. Ended up being a pretty good card overall. Um, the kickoff show, I'm not really going to get into because it kind of pissed me off that Shinsuke Nakamura defeated Finn Balor for the Intercontinental Championship on the pre-show. The first match on the kickoff show. Why the hell is the Intercontinental Champion on the kickoff show? It makes no fucking sense. None whatsoever. Zero. Zilts. Nada. This match, this, I guess they're trying to get the crowd into it and trying to give you something special, but... The Intercontinental Champion used to be the workhorse. It used to be the one that basically was going to be the next world champion. And you have devalued that championship so much. And it pisses me off. It really does. Uh, Drew Gulak defeated Tony Nese to retain his Cruiserweight Championship. These two have chemistry. It's a fun match. It's a fun 205 Live Cruiserweight match. You know, on the kickoff show, it's kind of become a thing for them. And 205 Live has become, you know... Since Triple H has taken over, it's become more wrestling-oriented, and it's fun to watch. And these two put on a good show, so it's worth watching. But that's just, I'm so soured on the Intercontinental Championship. Uh, the beginning of the show, the actual pay-per-view, kicks off with the no-holds-barred tag team match of The Undertaker and The Roman Reigns, or The Graveyard Dogs, as they've been dubbed for some reason, taking on Shane McMahon and Drew McIntyre. The Undertaker... Redeemed himself from the Goldberg match here, but this was smart. Putting him in a tag team match where he doesn't have to carry the match himself. Roman Reigns kind of carries the big weight of it, uh, and Undertaker does his spots and gets his spots in. There's times where you see Roman Reigns kind of fanboying over the Undertaker on the apron as he's waiting to be tagged. Shane McMahon is Shane McMahon, and it's it's getting old. I'm, uh, Shane McMahon used to be a spectacle to see and watch. Now it's just the same thing over and over, and the man looks like he's going to have a heart attack. Like, he, he sweats so bad when he's wrestling, and he always, I don't know if he's that good at selling or if he looks like he, he's actually dying. Like he, But every time he takes a move, he looks like he's dying. And Drew McIntyre is a stud that they are killing. They are killing his character. He came in as a badass, and he's been nothing but a lackey for other people. And they're killing Drew McIntyre's character. Drew McIntyre was something special on the Independence. He was something special in NXT, and they brought him up, and they have just destroyed Drew McIntyre's credibility. Uh, Undertaker and Roman Reigns win this match. That's not really a shockingly surprise, uh, but good match overall. Good tag team match, and again, utilizing the Undertaker the best way you can as being a tag team instead of him having to carry everything. Next up, we get the Raw Tag Team Champions, The Revival, defeating the Usos to retain the tag team this is not the best match that these two teams have ever had together. The Revival are one of the best teams on the planet today. They are the Arn and Tully of tag team wrestling. They're a throwback. And the Usos are probably probably one of the best tag teams in WWE in you know the past decade. And they have great chemistry. But this match just never clicked. It's not a bad match. It just didn't click like their other matches had. I don't know if we weren't given enough time or what. The Revival wins, which they should, and I'm still really hoping the Revival don't don't re-sign with this company. And it's nothing against WWE, but they they just they don't know how to do tag team wrestling, 
and the Revival deserve better because they are an incredible tag team. And I'd love to see them in AEW or Ring of Honor, somebody with a tag team division that can complement their styles and let them actually work and have fun. But the match, again, the match wasn't bad. It just it wasn't clicking like their other matches have. Next up is the match I was probably looking forward to the most, and that was Aleister Black and Cesaro. For weeks, Aleister Black has been cutting promos on uh, SmackDown and doing vignettes, telling he wants somebody to come to his door and pick a fight. We finally get somebody to knock, and we finally find out it's Cesaro. These two put on a hard-hitting match. This match was so much fun. Cesaro is such an underutilized talent. It is amazing how much they have fucked him up. When they every time he gets over, they screw him over again. This match was. They had the flying. They had the European style to where the uppercuts of Cesaro just look so vicious. Catching the. He caught Aleister Black in a meteor with the double knees and drove him into the mat. He caught him with a European uppercut when he was coming down for one. I mean, it was just so much fun to watch these two work. They have such good chemistry, and it was so hard-hitting, and it was so believable watching these two. Aleister Black gets the win with the Black Mass kick, and this is like this is probably the best match on the card. I love this match. I enjoy the hell out of this match. If you got to watch one match from this event, this is the one to watch for me because it was just these two worked perfectly together. Next up, you have a handicap match for the SmackDown Women's Championship as Bayley defeated Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. The story of Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss has been Bayley trying to tell Nikki that Alexa's using her, and I think that's how they're going to go. But it makes this makes Bayley look like the heel in all this. She's looking less sympathetic than anybody. Nikki's coming across more sympathetic because Alexa hasn't really done anything to use her. You know, have made it look like she's using her, and Bailey's just keep pointing it out. And being this, they've hurt Bailey to the point where Bailey's not. She at one point was the most over woman in NXT. She was over on the uh, main roster, and they have just hurt her character to where nobody is really caring. Young girls are still, and I love Bailey. And Bailey's a hell of a worker, but they are hurting, hurting her character. Alexa Bliss is still one of the most over women there is, and Nikki Cross is an incredible hand and could be a big talent for them. I hope that this leads somewhere for all three of these women and we get something because we need new stuff. Alexa Bliss being a champion doesn't really do it for me because she's held it so much. But if Nikki Cross can come out of this being a a SmackDown champion at some point, I'd be happy because Nikki Cross is a great worker and we need new blood in that division. And they need just somebody to write the stories better because these stories are getting just overdrawn and they're not working the way they should. Uh, next up, we had Braun Strowman defeating Bobby Lashley in a last man standing match. This was the battle of the big men. I mean, they fought all over the arena. They were throwing each other in the walls. At one point, Bobby Lashley threw a fan at, or a fan, plant fan at Braun Strowman. They fought in the corridor. Uh, Braun Strowman suplexed Bobby Lashley into a concrete wall in a the area where they sell t-shirts. They fight all through the arena. It's you know it's a good big man brawl. It's a good. It's about as hardcore as you could get in the WWE in this day and age. In the Last Man Standing, this is not The Rock and Mankind Last Man Standing or anything like that. This is just two lumbering guys hitting each other with power moves. And the end saw Braun Strowman on top of a on top of a deck on an upper deck of seats. Power slam Bobby Lashley down through a set that they had set up 
We don't know how far it was, but he ends up winning as he crashes through a wall to break for the 10 count. Fun match, good match for these two, for what they're allowed to do, and for their styles, it works. And I, I enjoyed it, and I really have not enjoyed a lot they've done. I just wish that we could get Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar. That's what I want. That's what we need. It's a shame that we haven't got that. They have been doing good with Bobby's character, making him just be what he kind of was in TNA, a, just a badass heel, I'm better than you, I'm bigger than you, I'm stronger than you, and I hope we can keep going with that. Next up, we have the triple threat tag team match for the SmackDown Tag Team Champions as the New Day, Big E and Xavier Woods, defeated Daniel Bryan and Roman and Heavy Machinery, Tucker and Otis. Otis is a... He, he's a favorite of mine. He, he's one of them dirty secrets that I love Otis. Otis is over. Triple H is a big fan of Otis. Uh, he was one of the people that he called out on a conference call as being what could be a future. Heavy Machinery is just fun to watch. They have fun. They have charisma. Otis is just over. This match was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. All teams worked well together. I think this moves Daniel Bryan out of the tag division. I think they're going to put him back into a singles run, which where he really should be. He doesn't need to be in the tag team division. I mean, that's just not... You know, he's he's underutilized there. Uh, the New Day going over here, I get that they're doing it, and I think they're they're going to set up eventually where somebody's going to turn on Kofi. I know that. But them winning the tag team championships again, it just didn't it didn't make me pop. You know, uh, I know they hold the tag team championships and the WWE championship, and that's a big deal, but it just, it just hasn't hit me and made me pop the way it should be. However, fun match. Uh, everybody gets their stuff in. Heavy machinery do a bunch of power moves, a bunch of tag team power moves, and it's fun to watch them, and I think they could be a, a good tag team for them. They're future tag team champions. The The crowd seems to love them, and it this was just a fun tag team match. It was better than I thought it was going to be. The New Day are your six-time tag team champions, and take with that what it is. Next up, you have the United States Championship as AJ Styles defeated Ricochet to become the U.S. champion. High-flying, hard-hitting, these guys' style. Ricochet has mimicked, one of one of the people he mimics his style after is AJ. You know, it's very high-flying, very high-paced, very technical, good story being told. It's the rookie and the vet going at it. And this was a fun match. I mean, this was, you know, high-flying. This was their the great storytelling that AJ brings into it. The club is there. Them interfering costs Ricochet the title. And there's a story brewing here, and I'm, I'm actually intrigued to see where this goes. Fun match. Again, this is probably the second best match on the card to me, and the, one of the ones that I was looking forward to the most. Uh, we got Kevin Owens and Dolph Ziggler. Kevin Owens wins with a stunner in like five seconds. It's a squash match. Dolph Ziggler, I don't know what they're doing with him. Kevin Owens are trying to make him the next Stone Cold. And I just, I'm worried about how they're going to take it, but the match is what it is. Next up, we had the WWE Championship as Kofi Kingston defeated Samoa Joe, and I'm really pissed off about that. Not that I don't like Kofi. Um, I don't think Kofi's a draw as a champion. I think he's had his little run. I think the fans like him. My biggest issue with him is is the fact that this match, the re- the announcers coming in were talking about how personal this is and how this is the hardest date to date. This is the hardest matchup that Kofi's going to have for to defend his championship. And you know how serious it is. And he comes in and he's throwing fucking pancakes. He's laughing. He's clapping. I know Kofi's supposed to be the positivity guy. But 
when it's supposed to be this serious and you've said yourself that, you know, how dangerous he is and you know it, you shouldn't be smiling, you shouldn't be all happy, you shouldn't be doing all that. You should come in serious looking like, you know, I've got to take get this done. And that's been my big thing with Kofi is when he's supposed to be serious and the match is supposed to be, you know, vicious and it's supposed to be personal, he's still not acting like that. He's just clapping and throwing pancakes. The match was good for what it was. Samoa Joe always puts on good matches. He's a hell of a worker. Samoa Joe should have won this match. Samoa Joe should be the WWE champion. I don't know why they won't pull the damn trigger with this guy. He could be money for them. He could be a monster heel champion. He can talk people in the seats. He's a hell of a promo. He's Samoan, which Vince loves. I don't get I'm pretty sure if his last name was a Noah and he was related to The Rock and them, he probably would be champion. But for some reason, they just won't pull the fucking trigger with Samoa Joe. However, it was a good match. They have good chemistry. I just think the wrong guy went over. The uh, next match was the winner-take-all Extreme Rules tag team match as the Universal Champion Seth Rollins teamed with his girlfriend, the Raw Women's Champion Becky Lynch, taking on Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans. Seth Rollins has hurt Becky Lynch's stock. Becky Lynch was the most over person in the company. And putting her with Seth, I know they're dating... Putting them on screen as all this has hurt Becky's stock. It has hurt Becky more than it's helped any of them. Seth Rollins is the champion. Seth Rollins is a hell of a worker, and I like Seth. I really don't think Seth is the draw that they think he is. And that's nothing against Seth. I just, I, To me, Seth's character has become stale. All of his promos sound so scripted, and they don't sound like Seth Rollins. They sound like somebody writing for Seth Rollins. He's come, to me, he's... Roman Reigns 2.0, he's a shell. He's he's a hell of a worker. And I've always loved Seth, and I loved him when he was Tyler Black and on the indie scenes and all this. But he's just, he has not been what he could be there. They're overproducing him so much and micromanaging him to where nothing he does seems memorable. Nothing he does seems fun. Nothing he does seems like it could it could work. And, and, and I hate that. And... I really hope that they can get this back and get this over uh, because it's just it's not working for what they're doing, and I really don't want these two together. The match ended up being a pretty good Extreme Rules match. I mean, Becky was taking bumps and bruises. Lacey was doing her best. Corbin and Seth Rollins, this is probably the best that they looked together. And, you know, it ended up being a fun match. It ended up being hard-hitting as best as they could be, and there's bumps, and there's tables, and there's chairs, and there's kendo sticks, and, you know, Seth and Becky end up winning. Baron Corbin hits a end of days on Becky, which sets Seth Rollins off, and he beats Baron up with a bunch of kendo sticks, and hits him with three uh, stomps and pins him for the one, two, three. Becky taking the bump was cool to see. I mean, I'm not a big fan of men and women wrestling, but... It was it set up a good story for the end, and, and it worked for what it was, and the match was okay for what it was. It was better than I thought it was going to be. Nothing, nothing really special. And then we get the cash in from Brock Lesnar as he defeats Seth Rollins to become again the Universal Champion. And I could not be less interested. I could not be, you know, care any about this. Um, I don't know where they're going with it. I don't care where they're going with it. I'm tired of seeing Brock. Brock, if you think he's a draw, he doesn't need to be the champion to be a draw. Because now he's going to defend it at SummerSlam, and then after that we won't see him until the Royal Rumble. And it's boring, and it's old, and it's played out, and I just really don't care about that anymore. Now, 
out of the three events, um, I really think AEW's event was the best. That's my opinion. It just had everything top to bottom. It was different styles, different in-ring abilities, and it worked. Um, next up, the second best event of the weekend was Evolve. I got to see some new characters. I got to hear the great might work of Eddie Kingston. And then you got to see, you know, Adam Cole and Matt Riddle and Drew Gulak, which is probably, that was probably, you know, that and the Cody Rose Young Buck match was probably the matches of the of the weekend. Those two matches, I don't know which one would be better, but it was just great to watch Matt Riddle and Drew Gulak. And Evolve's 10th anniversary show put on a lot. And again, introduced me to some new characters, and they've got a big fan in me because they 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 showed they showed out. And then Extreme Rules. Now, Extreme Rules might have been number two. The Brock Lesnar cash-in killed it. I mean, it really did. It killed it for me, and it, it just brought me down, and I just didn't want to be part of the show. You know, I was just out over the show then, and it's just it's not fun. It's boring. It's outdated. It's played out, and I just, I'm just i tired of seeing the Brock Lesnar thing. So that, that killed it for me, and that brought it down to number three. Those are my picks for the weekend. That's a lot of wrestling to go through. If you saw the events, let me know what you think. Uh, let me know if I got it wrong, what I got it right. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Nerdpool Pod. Instagram is Nerdpool Podcast. Twitch is Nerdpool Gaming. Thank you all for the love, for the support. And until next time, see ya. Oh, yeah.